everybody. Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast bonus episode for Monstuary. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. I'm sorry that we're doing this in February reporting area, everybody. <laughs> that That's my bad. I, I made Erica? a mistake. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk anymore. Stop and- talking, Mark. It's my turn. <laughs> God. Ugh. And we're getting along great. <laughs> But we have a great interview for you because we got to talk to R.J. Kaiser. Again, we've already talked to R.J. Kaiser uh, about his career with New World Pictures last year. But we talked to him again about Godzilla 1985. So we've actually, this is two different discussions. Um, So we were able to talk to him a couple of times. So we really want to thank R.J. for his time and for letting us talk to him about uh, Godzilla twice. He's an incredibly great guy. Super funny. You're going to hear a lot of really great stories um, we're going to get into, he, we can't help it, we're going to get into other stories about New World films he worked on, like Up From the Depths and Battle Beyond the Stars and Hellraiser. We'll also talk a little bit about Young Frankenstein. So mm-hmm. lots of stories from all over the place, and we're going to get into all the nitty gritty about Godzilla 1985. So let's get to it. Here's our interview with R.J. Kaiser. Godzilla, have at it. Should we? Let's start there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> The very first time I heard about the project was in March of 1985. I had a dinner with Tony Randall, you know, who was the producer of the American version. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he called me up and said, hey, I want to have dinner with you. I want to talk about an idea. At the time, I was working on another show. I was I was the film editor on a show. At the time, it would, when I was cutting it, it was called A Dollar a Day. It was ultimately released as something called Space Rage. Breakout on Prison Planet. Space Rage. Anyway, Tony called up, wanted to have dinner with me, and that was where he brought up. He says, you know, we got this. We're going to pick up this new Godzilla movie that Toho made. And that was the very first I heard of it. Okay. Was he then asking you to be the director at that time? He was asking me not necessarily to be the director, but to be involved somehow in Hmm. some kind of quasi-editorial capacity. I mean, it was very vague. And at the okay. time, I do I, I do have a very strong memory. I don't remember what restaurant we were at, but I do remember <laughs> that he mem- he mentioned that it was going to have a tongue-in-cheek approach. Mm. That it was going okay. to recut, recut the movie and kind of take a more tongue-in-cheek approach to it. Not as far, not as far blown as uh, What's Up, Tiger Lily? Sure. But, but at the same time, not just a straight dubbing job. Mm-hmm. That they were okay. going to recut the film and they were going to try to incorporate American scenes into the film like the original Godzilla, King of the Monsters. At that time, Raymond Burr was not involved. That no one no one was signed up at the time. But Tony, I remember, mentioned, it says, we're, gonna, we're, going, we're thinking of going, approaching Leslie Nielsen. Okay. So, all right. So... That supports the notion that this was a lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. kind of approach. Right. Um, and then by the time I more officially got involved with it, which was in late June, very late June, Raymond Burr agreed to be in it. And then suddenly the whole complexion of the storyline changed. And it became more straight. The approach became more straightforward. And less tongue in cheek. Now, had you seen a script at that point, or I didn't see a script until I came on board at, uh, at the very end of June or early July. I can't remember what day I saw. I think it might have been actually July one. That's that. That was when I first saw a script. Okay. And did and you that... see a version of the movie before the U.S. edits? No, uh, not until I started on the project. Uh, on my own, I went out. And uh, late, very late June, I went out and I rented Godzilla: King of the Monsters because the last time I had seen it was I was a kid, and I saw it on Million Dollar Movie back in New York. <laughs> you know, and Million Dollar Movie, you know, was the, the the routine was you sh- they show the same movie every night at the same time, and then on Saturday they would show it in the in the middle of the day, and then again in the late evening. So anyway, that was the last time I had seen the film. Hmm. which was way back somewhere, 66 or who knows when, 
and even before that. So I, I rented the tape, watched the thing again, and what my jaw hit the floor because you know now I understood the mechanics of making a movie, and I'm watching this movie and going, "Gosh, like forty percent of this film is reshot. They mm -hmm. they rewrote. They mm -hmm. got in extras. They got in act Japanese American actors. I mean, they just yeah. reshot this thing." And they cut Raymond Burr into cut, like cut as Raymond if he Burr was in, as if he was there and mm -hmm. dialogue scenes with with Japanese figures and stuff and then inserting that you know and I'm watching the grain shifting from the American scenes to the original Japanese I'm watching the grain shifts and saying mm -hmm. okay that's there's there's everyone you know this is involved <laughs> I remember when I went back to Tony when I came on board and I said. How in the hell, how are we going to do this? Because my understanding is we got two days, maybe two and a half days to shoot this. I mean, this is, if we're going to do anything like this, you know, how are you going to do that in two and a half days? There's no way. What was his response? He said, well, we're not going to, we're not going to do uh, as elaborate a job. That our, that our material is clearly going to be along the lines. Uh, there was a movie called Tidal Wave. Sure, that, that New now, World put that, out. That New mm -hmm. World put out in, in, uh, from in the late 70s or something. Tidal wave. From early warning systems comes the telemetry of terror. The entire country will break apart and be swept into the sea. And they had Lauren Green. That was the, that was the right. name American actor. And he was, uh, I guess, the American ambassador to the UN in the, in the storyline. And so, and, you know, the, the idea was, okay, well, you know, we, we, we showed the Japanese section up to a certain point and then we cut to meanwhile, back at the UN, Lauren green says, blah, 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 blah. And then we cut back to Japan and it says, well, you know, this approach is going to be along the same lines. You know, we'll have Raymond Burr will be at the war room at the Pentagon and we'll just be going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So we won't be, uh, we could do this, in the time frame that we have, okay. he was confident that we could do it in the time frame. What two to three days? I think where you shot it was. It was literally. It was officially two and a half days. It occupied us three days, but it was it was okay on the clock. Two and a half days. Mm -hmm. And so one had, day was a shot where you wanted to get a tracking shot of a car going up, and you couldn't get that shot. Right, couldn't get that, that was... shot because the camera truck got lost. <laughs> and you still don't know why. I still don't know why. <laughs> camera truck got lost. The camera truck did it, it was it did not show up for you know it was four hours late getting getting to to where we were, and we just had no idea. We couldn't find them. We couldn't we couldn't track them down. We were calling. We were calling. It's like no, no cell phones knew, at the time. No cell phones at the time. No one knew how to reach them. You know we're we're out you know in Malibu up in the hills just off the beach and out. It's so even if you had cell phones early cell phones you know you wouldn't have service anyway um so you know we, we just live we just have a whole crew of people and actors were just sitting there it's like we were just sitting there it's like we can't do can't do a thing because we don't got the camera that's right it is it is crucial yeah <laughs> it's still to this thing. day one of the most important things to have on set yes. is the camera so by the time the sun has the sun has gone down so the whole idea right. was to get this car coming up in 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 uh you know at at, at sunset right. uh we had we had picked out the area we knew where it was the whole thing was they were going to drive up to our location we would take the camera put it in a we had a, a car drive out with the with the with the, uh, the the car to be photographed, go to this one particular spot, grab the shot. Should take no more than half an hour, and then then come back to the location, the house that where we're going to shoot the rest of the scenes, and then do that. And it's just like no no camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the little I, things. It's it is. Little, <laughs> yeah. I've I read an interview where you said you weren't sure why Tony asked you to direct, but I'm never you, sure. Oh, do you, do you still not know? No, I still don't know. Okay. All, all, all I can do is surmise is uh, when Tony, you know, Tony and I worked on Space Raiders. Thundering across the galaxy and into legend. The last brave starfighters who become Space Raiders. And so Tony was the, the second editor. And I think... 
Tony was impressed at my story analysis of Space Raiders, of why the movie isn't working, why okay. we don't care about these characters, why this particular <laughs> I feel like, scene is not hold on. suspenseful. I feel like that is a whole episode we can go down. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I, said I, think, I just think I just think he remembered that and sort of said, "Well, why don't you?" Okay. Mr. Big Mouth, here you go. <laughs> My plot synopsis for Space Raiders was a little boy gets an entire ship's crew killed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Also, you, you don't see what the movie's transport, about. You don't pick up transport ships at the back of a Home Depot. That exactly. doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. Robots drink coffee. It's got a lot of things. It's got yeah. a lot of Mm-hmm. <laughs> things happening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the guards that gets killed in the in the first reel. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, in, in wow! The, in, the, in the little shootout that goes yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of the guards that gets killed. Well, now I have a reason to watch it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Tony was also Tony was also in, uh, impressed with how I cut the music for Space Raiders. Okay. Uh, he was impressed by that. So then I got hired to do a similar kind of deal with Hellraiser. Because, right. Because uh, you cut the music. The, you did I, the music I, editing, I, right? I just did the music editing. But basically, I just built the unit so it could, so it could go to go to the mixing stage in London. But there was uh, the the back section of Hellraiser was not scored. Mm, uh, okay. Christopher Young did not. They didn't have time or money or whatever to do. So the whole idea was, okay, go through the music in the first two thirds of the movie and then track the last third with pieces from the first two thirds. Oh, wow. And so, you know, since Space Raiders was basically all tracked, so I went through Jamie's two scores, two full mm-hmm. scores that he had done to horror film, uh, that and Battle Beyond the Stars. And then I used that to track Space Raiders. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, well, you know, you're 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 the guy. I know you you can do this job. So, um, huh. so I did I did that on Hellraiser, and of course one of my bitter regrets about that was uh, there was a sequence where we are cross cutting between the evil couple and the good couple or or something. We're going back and forth. The, the evil daughter couple, daughter and her boyfriend and, and then daughter and her, her boyfriend her and father and her stepfather and mother. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, you know they're getting it on, and you know, but he's of course is is a, a goopy mess because yep. he's half oh, half okay. Okay. half reformed, and that, but they're engaging in some hot sex, and you know, and we're cutting back and forth, and I found two cues that were like, oh, this sounds evil, and this sounds innocent, and I had this thing going back and forth, you know, literally cut to cut to cut, and it worked really well. <laughs> it really worked well, and I played for the producer, and the producer just loved it, and then. Chris Young comes in and we we get to the first change and he goes, Oh that it's the wrong key. Oh, I'll just be crucified. No, 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 you can't do this. And so he said, hey, I'll show you what we can do. And he we, so we recut it with, with what so that it would be in this the correct kind of key that the keys uh-huh. would make sense with each other. But it was not as effective. It just, you oh. know, it just wasn't as effective. As effective. And I wish I had had the time to go out and make a dupe of the version that I had originally sure. cut. Sure. It, it just I had to hold on to. But you know, just like I wish, I wish I knew I uh, to 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 have the foresight to make a, a VHS tape of the one of the early cuts of Battle Beyond the Stars, just to hold on to with with all the yeah. weird oh, all the sure. weird scenes that mm. that got jettisoned. Um, because anyway, it got a laugh. But, <laughs> no, not because it didn't get a laugh. Because um, it, it, they, they were awkward. Uh, oh, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, I oh, love man. a good awkward they scene. Were, yeah. They oh. were not not well photographed, not well uh, acted. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim had done a whole. Jim Cameron had done a whole thing with front screen projection for this one big dialogue scene, and it you know it. <laughs> it did not it just didn't look good that's right and 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 roger just threw all that out right that yes, footage all that out all out and they let him it, right right that was it it was gone done forget it it's out yeah, yeah that would be awesome to be able to see that that would yeah. be yeah that would be very yep. cool so you 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 do though somehow get godzilla 1985 so somehow and, i get that yes 
and you work with. <laughs> however, that's not how we meant that. That's not yeah. how we meant that. No, not how I meant that at all. I meant going back to what you were saying when you yes. didn't, you weren't aware. No, I don't. Yes, I um, still, and as I said, I still don't know. Because, because that you're saying you you didn't sign on till June, late June, July, very late June, very end of June. Yes, but this comes out in August. Yes. So I mean, yes. so obviously work had been going along. Right. Right. The, right. the script so, was already writing. Now, we, script we, was we, writing. The the we, cut was going along. Because they were editing the the original. Yeah. They were editing the original. They're figuring out what scenes do we want to drop. What what do we want to keep? What order? I mean, order was changed. Uh, okay. You know, if, you, if you sat if you sat down and did a you know a scene by scene comparison with the original Japanese version, you would see that scenes had shifted around in in, in the time frame. So that was all going on. And I had no involvement with that, which is kind of weird in that, you know, we all have the notion of, oh, the director is is the key guiding person of a project. <laughs> right. And in this particular film, no, Tony is the key. The producer, Tony, is the key guiding person on the American version. I really was more of kind of a traffic cop. <laughs> I was just hired there to <laughs> figure out, OK, if we only have Raymond Burr for one day. How do we break this down to get him filmed in one day and then go back on the second day and then film the reverses mm -hmm. of whatever he has with the other characters? So I had, I, you know, I had to sit down and work up a storyboard of, OK, this shot, we, you know, we need these shots where everyone is together and then these shots are separate and we'll do the inserts and we'll do this and this and this and this. OK, so, you know, that was my job. And then I was like there to quote unquote direct the english dub okay so you were in on the dip dubbing sessions yes okay so i came in and i was the person sitting there on the stage telling actors you know faster slower higher lower you know you know act more scared you know maybe a little more humor with that line you know it was, it was that kind of thing but how, how many actors did you have for the dubbing God, I don't remember. It was something like six, maybe. Oh, six, wow. Six actors, maybe seven. You know, actors played, uh, a lot of the actors played like three or four voice, voices. Mm -hmm. wow. And then we would, uh, people that were just like, had one or two lines, we would use, when we, when we did the group half day, Mm -hmm. We would mm -hmm. pick someone in the group to do, oh, we got to get that line. You, you do that line and you do that line and you do that line. Uh, okay. So that, so that we would have some variety mm -hmm. in the voices. Sure. And, and where did you, were you involved in casting of that or you just no. went in to direct? I just went in to just direct. So, so the, 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 all the, the voice English, actors were, were chosen for you. They were chosen by Tony. You know, Tony went out and had a Walla group, contacted them, booked them. They went and looked at the film. They figured out who among their troop would be good for this whatever part. Wow. You know, basically, okay. I just showed up and said, okay, here we go. Line, real one, line one, off we go. Which one of you is doing this character? And someone said, oh, I'm supposed to. Do. Okay, up you go. Let's go. Wow. Did you, were you involved in casting outside of like Raymond Burr? Would, did you cast the other parts? And... Yes. Yes. We had casting sessions for the other, for the other main speaking parts. Uh, so I was involved with that. Tony and I were both involved with that. Okay. Um, uh, the guy, the casting director, I can't remember his name offhand. I, I think it's on IMDb, but the casting director was the actor in Young Frankenstein at the at the medical school scene near oh, the, in the very beginning the film. it says aren't you related to the right, same frankenstein right. that tried to yeah uh dr frank frankenstein yes isn't it true that darwin preserved a piece of vermicelli in a glass case until by some extraordinary means it actually began to move with a voluntary motion are you speaking of the worm or the spaghetti? That guy was our casting director. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that's when, that's um... when you were doing the, the voiceovers uh, on the, the Japanese portion, were there comedic elements that were already figured out for that part? 
or yeah. was the idea yeah. to add that? Okay. Yeah. That was already kind of incorporated in the script. I mean, the only thing, yeah, I think even the the the, the jet pilot who says sayonara sucker, I think that was in the script. I, I don't think that was an improv. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that was that was written in the script. I, I was curious because I I have done uh, a little bit of this adaptation for you know um, for dubbing for a couple right. a couple movies and uh, an, an anime show as well, and it's tricky. And yes. I was wondering, like, how did Lisa Tomei? How did she do it? Did she have like a VCR of Return of Godzilla? I, I mean, how did she? You'd have to ask her. I have no it idea. It is really like I did it with digital files where I could c continually rewind. And then and, and I still, you know, I had my director go, you know, we had to do a lot of changes. You're not ma matching. And yes. I'm like, OK, I thought I was, but OK. Uh, and it's it's hard to do. And did yes. you find that to be difficult for you as well? And, and... it was extremely difficult, especially because. uh you know, I, I when I took on the job, I, I thought of, I expected to be working with Lisa. Okay. To go through this. And when I asked Tony about it, he says, don't worry about that. You have nothing to do with that. You will just direct the actors on the recording stage. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, alarm bells go off. Yeah, of course. In the back of my head, it's like, <laughs> okay. How's that going to work? <laughs> but, all right. Okay, so I had my hands full with what I had to get through, and it was uh, it was like literally as soon as we finished shooting, you know, uh, the live action stuff, then it was like you know, I think we had like a day in the cutting room, and then it was off to off to uh, recording, uh, you know, recording the English language for the for the rest right. of the movie, and it it was you know it was tricky. I could it was very clear that it says whoever wrote this line never really. Mapping. Try, try, <laughs> try putting it into that mouth. Saying right? it out loud with the uh, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, because yeah. it doesn't work at uh -huh. all. But uh, uh, anyway, but you know, we got to, and again, we're it's the thing of I had two days to record all the dialogue, so wow. we had a day wow. and a half, a day and a half to do the principles, and a half a day to do group while while a group. Because we had, you know, we had crowd reactions, so we had to get. So, sure. so all the actors were there at once, and we would literally record, you know, actor, actor, actor. Okay, who says this? All right, you're up. You're doing that actor. You get up. You say that line. Okay, great, great. Next, you're that actor. You get up. You say that line. You get up. You say that line. I mean, it was none of this, you know. Okay, we're doing character A, and we'll do that through the whole show. We'll do character right. B. You know, none of that. It was, it was all because it all had to be on the full coat in order because we're pretty much just going to shoot it and hang it and go yeah and, it's going to be very it, little editing with a session like that it's probably you have so little time you Correct. would probably only make changes to probably just if the mouth didn't exactly if it, if it didn't match up with the original actor right exactly or if it didn't you know we couldn't get the lip sync to look reasonably logical Mm -hmm. because as as I've said many times before in other situations, there is no way you can make English fit Japanese speaking. Right. Right. There, there's no way. And vice and vice versa, because the syntax of the language is so different. Um, and my understanding and is in Japanese that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, uh, what is it? Noun, noun, object, verb. And in English, it's noun, verb, you know, object. Yeah. So what you you're ending a lot of Japanese sentences end with a verb where the mouth is open. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but a lot. There's a mm -hmm. lot of them. And we and in English, it's not so much. And so you're stuck with you. You have someone going, oh, da, 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 da. Ah! and it's yeah. like, <laughs> well, we have to go home. <laughs> we have to go home. <laughs> it, it, it just yeah. it just gets ludicrous. You know? Right, right. So, was you, it a challenge to try? You talked about the grain and then the not grain of watching the original Godzilla with Raven Burr. I would think also there would be a challenge in trying to get the cinematography to sort of match the style of the way that you're shooting. Was there a lot of 
kind of looking at the way that they shot the the Japanese version and trying to frame it up in a similar way so it felt seamless? We, we, we made attempts at that. We weren't successful in a lot of cases, but we made attempts at that. I think our, our more successful one uh, uh, approaches were at towards the end of the movie. There's a sequence where the cameras are, uh, you know, Godzilla is is dying in the volcano and the camera is pushing in on the various Japanese government officials that are watching it on a monitor. And we imitated that with similar kind of push-ins on the American. We matched the lighting for that. So that it kind of felt of a piece. The Some of the other scenes, you know, I, I knew we weren't going to be very successful because we just had only so much money for lighting equipment and so much time to prepare for it all but we we did try to do it i mean we had we had um a moviola on the set and we would have you know clips of of the thing to put mm. in and look at and and try to come something but we knew we were going to have a problem because uh the grain mm -hmm. you know because yeah. we're working with a second generation negative you know right. from japan and we're a first generation negative Right. And no matter what you do, there's there's going to be a difference. Yeah. And, you know, I had this crazy idea of cutting the American scenes as a separate role at the lab and then turning that into an IN, an IPIN, and then pulling a new print off that IN so that at mm. least generationally we would be, our grain would be more along the lines of what the Japan version was. But again, it's like you only have so much time. You only have so much money. You know, right. the film comes out in August. Here we are doing this in the middle of July. And there's just, you know, you, you uh, the, the clock is ticking and you only can do right. so much. Now, you you we we spoken to you about your earlier Corman days. And I but I always still marvel at this. The time table that we're discussing. This is particularly very quick, but. You know, Corman would shoot movies like in January that would release in May. And yeah. the amount of time to shoot, edit, release is very small. And in today's terms, yes, just seems insane. Yeah. So I'm sure you felt a lot of pressure. But did that still did that timetable still feel like a, lo a lot to, to be, you know, uh, in July yeah, for a movie that's coming out next month? No, we all kind of thought, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because you know we had both tony and i had worked for roger and we had both worked on trailers where roger comes in on monday morning and says come in you're going to work on this a trailer for this movie that will be in the theaters 4 p.m tomorrow <laughs> you know wow so, you know we we've we've been there You'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. you there, yeah. and we know it can get done. It's it's it, it's exhausting sometimes, but it can get done. And and on Godzilla, I mean, we were like, okay, well, we got we got like seven weeks. Okay, yeah, we can do this. All right. Wow. So okay, that's amazing. Now we're going back to the auditioning. I heard a story that Dick Miller auditioned for yes. Godzilla. Yes. Yes. Because and again, again, this sort of comes in. Uh, 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 connects with the notion that it started as a kind of lighthearted tongue-in-cheek approach mm -hmm. and then and then transformed into a much more straightforward approach once Raymond Burr got involved. Because I remember going into the auditions and we had all these actors that were like, some were very, you know, standard dramatic actors that you would get for a dramatic movie. And then there were others that were more comic actors. Right. Right. And it was at first I was sort of, oh, why are we getting this? Why are we getting this? And I remember the casting director saying, you know, well, you know, I, uh, I, I, I got a call, you know, to get more and more dramatic actors to come in. So uh, this is what I got. And, you know, I hope it works. So I think things were changing rapidly. Right. And okay. and the casting director was, you know, struggling to try to keep up with how things were changing. By the way, the casting director's name, I believe, is Danny Goldman. Yes, that's it. Danny Goldman. Yes. <laughs> OK. So, yeah. So we had we wound up. I remember sitting there. We had two lists. We had, OK, here's the dramatic list and here's the comedic list. Uh, so, you know, this is who would work. Which direction are we going in? 
And by that point, when we had that conversation, Raymond Burr had confirmed that he would be involved. Okay. And so we said, we're going with the dramaticalist. Got it. But that came during the casting process? During during the casting process, yes. If it had gone down the comedic path, who who was was it Leslie Nielsen that would have been the the front runner or would have been the person selected? I we we never we never got that far. Oh, okay. We never got that far. It's just we were sort of like we were waiting to hear from Raymond Burr, yes or no. And so everything was kind of up Mm. in the air. So in the in the casting, we were having to cast all the other actors. And it was like, well, which way do we go with this? And what if Burr says no? Or what if he makes um, right. comes up with terms that we can't meet? So uh, which could which was going to become a problem because now that would delay, you know, if because we didn't have anybody else mm. to play that part yet. So so if he if ultimately we could not come to terms with Burr, that was going to throw a big monkey wrench into well what do we do now because it was being written for his original character it was rewritten for his original character got it okay all right the original script the earlier script apparently was written for a an expert a godzilla expert okay this would be someone playing by whomever Mm -hmm. who could be played by whomever and someone you know rightfully thought he says well what if what if we went has anyone talked to raymond burr maybe he'd be willing to do it again you know and so finally he said yes and very quickly very quickly the word came down of we can't make fun of the character right yeah you've probably been asked more about this one day that you worked with raymond burr than probably anything else in your whole life <laughs> yes <laughs> You spent one day with a guy. Well, you had meetings with him prior to, but but uh, only one, only one, only one. Okay, so you had one meeting with him prior to the shoot, which was the day before. Right, that's right. And you guys went out to a restaurant, right? There and yes. and, and and went over the script and uh, when went over, discussed the script. And actually, you know what we we did that very quickly because you know there's not a whole heck of a lot to the material. Right. right. So you know, very quickly we went through it and. Uh, um I remember when it was at the Hotel Mondrian on Sunset Boulevard. Um and I remember I knocked on the door and he the door he flung open the door real fast. He's standing there <laughs> and he says, Godzilla is a metaphor for the for the nuclear terror that faces humanity. And I go, right. He says, okay, come in. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Spy password. That's right. (laughs) It it was basically, I think what he was saying is, you know, uh, in the the script that he had, it seemed like, are we tongue in cheek? Are we making fun? Are we doing? And so, you know, he wanted to say, you know, I don't want to have any part of that. And because the sales department then came up with this whole Dr. Pepper connection. (laughs) Right, right. And that was that was Rusty Citron, who was the director of promotion and merchandising. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, Rusty. Yes, because there's so, a lot of Dr. Pepper. Are you do you do you still have a Dr. Pepper machine in your house now? I mean, did you? No, no. I I, I wish I did, but I know I don't. I know I never had that. Um, I still have the, the I I still have the bumper sticker though. Oh, the Dr. Pepper oh, nice. bumper sticker. Yeah, there was the thing of Godzilla holding a can of Dr. Pepper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was I, a big I, ad campaign at the time, right? Yes, it was. It, it was. Uh, I mean, it was it, but isn't it accurate though that um, you know at the DoD they have a big Dr. Pepper machine like that, like right there in the uh, war room? I mean, I thought that was wasn't sure. that built to scale? Yes, it was all it was all heavily correctly researched. Yes, <laughs> and so I think you know all of that was part of that initial. We're gonna we're gonna do this as a tongue in cheek as a as a as a what's up tiger lily kind of approach to the sure, thing. Sure, sure. Um, by the time I got involved, that had changed. Okay. You know, because Raymond Burr was not yet not yet assigned. You know, had not yet agreed to do the show, and I think they were they were trying to get the script to Raymond Burr. And so they had to, they asked the writer to tone down or do a pass and say, make it a little more straight. And that was what was sent to Raymond Burr. 
and I think he and so when 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 he made that statement when I oh when I met him at his uh, at the hotel room, he was like laying down the law of you know if if this is going to be making fun of this, I don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think he mm-hmm. just wanted to see if am, am I on the same page, right? Um, and I was right. like, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, you want to play it straight, we'll play it straight, right? <laughs> whatever you want to do, because clearly, the whole reason for this film is you. Yeah, I mean, the whole yeah. reason why we're doing this is to yeah. have, is to have you here. So mm-hmm. um, there's 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 like two stories I hear. One that is is dialogues written on cards, and one that he uses a teleprompter. Teleprompter. Okay. Teleprompter. And I remember he, you know, he told me that uh, at the dinner. And I, I kind of said, I guess I must, my face must have fallen and said, Oh, really? You use the teleprompter? And, uh, and he said, don't worry. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I learned how to do this on, on rain on uh, Perry Mason mm-hmm. because um, the first year I didn't do it at all. I, I memorized everything. But the rewrites were just killing me because they would do these last minute rewrites on, on my summations, you know, in, in the courtroom. Right. And I, and I and I when I I tried this teleprompter on one show because they did the rewrite at the absolute last minute. There was no way I could do it. And I found that it worked very well. And so mm-hmm. I used that technique for the rest of the of the show. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. save myself all this mem- uh, memorization. And and it's true. He he. He could do it really well. He would have four teleprompters and he would kind of walk, we walk very quickly, walk on the set and he would turn to the teleprompter guy and say, put one there, 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 and there. Cause that's, he kind of figured out where my eye line is going to naturally go during the course of the scene. So, so the, the script would just be going along. And he, so wherever his eye went, he, you know, the line would be there. And so, but, all, so all four of them had just his lines going through it. They, yes. okay. Okay, yes. it's pretty smart. That's nice. Yes, and it is. And as you watch the film, you really can't tell. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you know, there's for sure because you know, uh, when he when he first said it, I'm mean, you know I had visions of Bob Hope, yeah, of uh, you know, running through my head. You know, where <laughs> where you know Bob Hope always always you could tell that the card was down there. Yeah, because yeah. his eyes were always going, "Hi, this is Bob Hope for da 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 da." I'm here to tell you to go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, it's like saying, "Oh." Um, Raymond Burr took up a good chunk of the budget, did he not? Yes, he did. Not. Yes, he did. I think it was something like fifty thousand. Is what is what I vaguely recall. Was his, and we had a, two... we had a hundred and fifty thousand to make oh. to make our section. <laughs> so you know, so okay, one third <laughs> went to him, and then we, we had two thirds of that amount of money was left over for for what we had to do. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a lot. That's no. no. Yeah, it's not a lot, and uh, so anyway, so not even in 1985 money. That's not yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, you, so you did do some editing on it, though, um, uh, on the movie in terms of the sound, right? I, I uh, music, music. Because did you, weren't you the ones that brought you brought in Christopher Young's score, or you at least Again, placed where it went? Tony. That was Tony. Okay, Tony. You know, Tony made the arrangements. You know, Tony came in. He was the brains of the outfit, you know. It's not me; it's Tony. You know, it was his idea. He was he was basically given this thing by New World. We have this opportunity. Mm. Toho has this project. You know, do you know what to do with it? He said yes, and so he ran with it, took it, and ran with it. And you know, he said, "I know what to do. I know what footage to get from Philadelphia Experiment." He said, "I remember there's some there's right." Some, the screens right the screens that we we can repurpose we can use that we'll we'll build a set that mimics that we'll you know i we can get chris young's music from this movie and this movie that'll work great for you know for filling in whatever we can't use from the japan you know and on and on and on it was his you know he was he had it all kind of mapped out what he what he felt he could not do was be on the floor Mm. you know during the shooting be on the floor doing uh the dubbing you know when we're recording the actors the english voices for the japanese characters you know he couldn't be on the floor for that he needed somebody else that he could trust to do that so so uh, then i have a question which is in the scene when 
Is it Naki, the the reporter? He I don't I don't remember the names. Okay, well, <laughs> obviously neither do I. But um, when he goes on to the 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 ship and discovers all of the the the, the people that have died on the ship, and he finds the one person yeah. that's alive. The music that yeah, plays that's at the beginning, at the very mm-hmm. beginning, right? The music that plays during that section sounds eerily like uh, when they discover the Norwegian camp and John Carpenter's The Thing. And I I wondered if that was on purpose or if that was just, that was the music that was seemed to fit the scene the best. That's exactly it, the last. Okay, well. That's it, that's it. There was no, to my way of thinking, there was no conscious design about mm. emulating or, or making a callback or making a reference to... It, it we had no time it was, got it here's the music here's the scene what fits this fits this works with this okay we'll use that you know well it fits was, perfectly it's yeah. it just i was like boy that sounds like the thing but, but the funny the 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 unfortunate thing with godzilla was you know the the japanese track was in dolby stereo that was one of their early dolby stereo movies and when we finally got the M&E, you know, which is the music and effects stripe. So right. it was all together. Mm. So, you know, in America, by that point, we were using stems and doing Dolby Stereo. So you would have a dialogue stem, which would have four channels, you know, left center, left center, surround, left center, right surround. And you have a music stem, which would have left center, right surround. And you would have an effect stem, left center, right surround. What we got from Japan was the music and the effects married, left, mm. center, right, surround. The amount of recutting that was done to the film rendered that M&E stem useless mm. because it just made a mishmash of the music. And there was no way to separate the music from the, from the, from the sound effects. Was that a so late discovery, had, or did the, or did you know about that early on that it was? No, all we, in we one? discovered that late because we didn't get the we didn't get that until fairly late into the post production process. Oh wow! I don't know why. Again, I don't know why I was involved with that. All I know is that hmm. suddenly here it was. We're listening to it and going, "Oh my God, it's all married." Oh, now <laughs> we can't we can't do. We're going to have to completely build a whole sound effects track. We're going to have to build a wow. whole music track. We had a DMNE from Japan. A DMNE is a three-channel thing, which is which is usual, which was made to make trailers or TV commercials or radio spots. And there you have the dialogue is on one channel, all the music is on another channel, the effects are all on one channel, but it's all mono. Mm. Oh right. So we had a DMNE. So that's why Godzilla '85 is mono because that's what we could pull from. We could you we could use that DMNE and we can we can build everything from that. But what we lost was Dolby Stereo. This is was this your first time doing an ADR recording? I know that that's like what you have been doing like forever. But you kind of did some ADR for Godzilla. Yes. I mean, well, I I did some ADR on Up from the Depths. Oh, that's okay. my first. That's okay. my first ADR. Is, that's the is, first one. Okay. Yep. We had. Okay. Uh, Marvin Miller, you know who Marvin Miller is? Mm-mm. Okay, he was an old-time voice actor. He was the voice of Robbie the Robot in Forbidden Planet. Wow, uh-huh. okay. And uh-huh. uh, there was an old TV show in the 50s called The Millionaire. Wow. The Millionaire, brought to you by Singer, makers of the world's finest sewing machines. Uh, in which the, the the gag was there is a millionaire who every week gives his butler mm-hmm. a check for a million dollars to give to someone, a okay. random person that he picks out of the phone book. And then the rest of the show would be, what does this person do upon receiving a million dollars? Right. But anyway, the, the show always opened with Marvin Miller, who played the butler and says, you know, I work for J. And every week he gives a million dollars to some you know, deserving person that he randomly chosen. He also insisted on complete reports of what happened to these people. And that was my job. So Marvin Miller was my first ADR guy. actor, okay. And it was up from the depths. And he did voices for about 10 different characters in wow. Up From The Depths. 
Because oh, really? we had a yeah, we had a bunch of ADR that was done in the Philippines that had been sent to us. But there were a lot of characters that never got recorded in the Philippines. Right, right, so right. I had to then go through and figure out, okay, we need this guy, we need this, we need this lady, yeah. we need that person, that person. So Marvin was hired, I don't know by who, but somewhere at Roger's office, and he just shows up, you know, and I recognize him because as a kid, I watched The Millionaire, you know, on, on television. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not like this. So like, wow, it's, it's you. The millionaire guy, <laughs> and, and and it'd be funny because uh, you know we would do a character and then we'd have to roll down you know three hundred feet to get to the next character, and he would just say, "Oh, that's okay," and he would just sit in the chair, close his eyes, and he would fall asleep. <laughs> we would get down to that point, and we say, "Okay, here we are," and I would go over and I go, uh, "Sir," and he go, "Oh, yes, are we there? Okay, all right, show me the show me the line, okay." <laughs> Then, so you didn't use them for Godzilla 1985, though, right? No, no, no. Um, so what was it like working with Steve Dubin? He was your DP. It was fine. I mean, I knew Steve from um, City Limits. I think we, we, yep. we said before yep. that. Yeah. So I knew Steve. Steve was second uh, unit, right? Uh, yes, he was second unit, and I directed second unit on City Limits, and he was my DP on that. He was the first AC on the main unit on City Limits. So it was, you know, it was fine. You know, we which got is. The movie that Aaron Lipstadt did right after Android. After Android, shortly after Android, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah, that was fine. Was, again, it was like, there's no, like, huge planning. It was kind of like, you know, look look, look at the look at the scene that leads into what we're supposed to shoot and say, okay, the lighting key is like that. And we kind of, what's the scene we're coming into when we leave our scene? We go back to Japan. It's like that. What's a good balance? And, and it was done all done in, in you know half a day. It was mm -hmm. very quick. Yeah, I have to imagine it was pretty running and gunning. And so yeah. uh, at least if somebody that you knew and you could you had a you know yes. a level of communication with. So yes. And what was it like working with uh, Michael Spence, the the editor? I didn't work much with Michael. Okay. You know, I had like like two days. You know, he kind of like brought me in. He showed me all. He had a cut. Walked in, showed me. You know, here's how here's how it flows. With, with the other thing and I would just kind of say you know fine or great and maybe you know maybe maybe is there another take on that on that line and that would be it you know that was it it was it was very minimal it was hmm. very very I had very minimal conversation with him I, again it was like uh it was like old-fashioned Hollywood it was like you know <laughs> uh working at PRC or 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 monogram you know it's like okay here's what we got you shoot 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 you put it together blah, 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 blah. right you want anything okay two frames more on that and, and ship it you know and and that's it you walk out and you go yeah it's it's interesting too to me that you you mentioned tidal wave because it it is like a such a and i think we mentioned this when we talked to tony randall it's such a old school new world corman era idea but in the new era and most of the people working on it, like even down to Ernest Farino doing the opening titles, were all people from the Corman era who had done this before. Yes. So because it's... the new new world was basically a lot of the old Corman people just right. continuing on. Right. You know, a job is a job. <laughs> right. 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 So when you when are you doing the trailer for Corman? Are you doing a trailer for a bunch of lawyers? It's 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 still a trailer. <laughs> right right did you have much interaction though with with the uh with the no. with the two larry's no no i had no i had no meetings with them at all because that was all tony handled all that end of it tony handled all that i think the only guy that came down was was rusty citron mm -hmm. right i the... think he was he was the guy who sort of what i understand is that he was sort of the guy who made the connection with toho and oh, okay that that somehow he was he was involved with that agree uh, arrangement and he was involved with getting dr pepper involved right i was about to say he also got dr pepper involved so yeah. so <laughs> he was involved with that and he was the only guy who came down to the set and he came down to the set mainly to try to get a photograph of raymond burr drinking a dr pepper <laughs> <laughs> and he came to me and he, i just you know pled please get Raymond Burr to get, take a sip of a Dr. Pepper. And I remember looking at Rusty and going, there is no way in hell I am going up to him and asking him to drink right. Dr. Pepper for a camera to take a picture of him. 
I am not doing that. You can go and do it, but I'm not going to do it. Right. I got to get through this day. Right. I got to get this done. I don't want to give him an excuse to walk off the set and leaving right. us high and dry. Right. Did, did you have to instruct anyone else, like any of the other cast members to drink from the Dr. Pepper? Yes. yes. And I got, we got one. Yeah. I yep. mean, on camera. Yeah. In, in, the, in the film, we got, yeah. we got one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the product I, is I there. Had no, I, had, I had no problem with that. You know, right. I had no problem right. with that, but. Just not Raymond Burr. Just yeah. not Raymond Burr. No. Right. Raymond, Raymond was a very um, intimidating is too strong a word, but you didn't want to go up against him. Sure. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Plus he's commanded a whole lot of the budget. So let's. Exactly. This right. is 50, we got 50 grand standing here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's one third of our entire budget. And not, not bad for a day's work. Yeah. Um, there's no good way to just shoehorn that in. What are you going to be like, Raymond, <laughs> you look a little under the weather. Should I call a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no good there's you no want way. A, little per a little perk up here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to present that in a way that seems natural and isn't some sort of yeah. Yeah. photo op. And he's he's been around the block for crying out loud. I mean, he knows exactly what I'm trying to do. Right. <laughs> and that there was no arrangement for advertising. You know, he's going to be the type of guy who says, "Well, wait a minute, that's you know, to do that, that's a whole other contract." Mm -hmm. Sure, yep. yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because if they're going to use that image for like Dr. Pepper in relation to the movie, like yep. he needs to be compensated, right? Yes. So, yes, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> what did new world do you know what new world's thoughts were about the movie like once they saw it or did i they... have no idea okay i have no idea i do know that um it did not do very well theatrically okay uh but when it went to home video right it did very uh, well it did extremely well so that uh i something like there there was a there was a a, a plaque that some association would give out if you sold a hundred thousand units. And so Godzilla, you know, Tony got one of those plaques from this yep. association because, you know, Godzilla sold eight, a hundred thousand, $80 a pop unit. Amazing. Wow. That's why Tony got bumped up to become a, a, a production executive mm -hmm. after Godzilla. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that that was, that, that makes sense because it did very well yeah. on video. Yes. Yeah, it was there any discussion? And all the free Dr. Pepper you can all get. the free Dr. So, Pe all oh, the Dr. Pepper you can possibly drink. I, I'm still drinking all that Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's so I'm much. So tired of it. Dr. Pepper yeah, stew, so Dr. Pepper sandwiches, Dr. Pepper, <laughs> Dr. Pepper cupcakes. Oh my God! Yes. Was there any discussion about doing sequels or like this was no. the start of a franchise that we're going to own? No. Uh, not that I heard. They may there may have been elsewhere, but not that I heard. All we were doing was this project, and it was always thought of as as a one off by all of us on the set there at Raleigh Studios. Mm -hmm. um, did, you, did you like read the critical responses, like the critics? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh sure, <laughs> oh yeah. What did what was your, what did you think? Oh, uh, you know, there, some of them. I was surprised at how uh, kind. Some of them were uh, all the others. I sort of, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Yes. It looks like Raymond Burr is literally just dropped into the middle of this movie because yes, that's exactly what we did. We dropped it into the <laughs> middle of this movie. Right. So yeah, that's a fair cop. Okay. Can't complain about that. Were you anticipating like a different reaction or what? what were no, you... no, okay. no, I wasn't anticipating a different reaction. I knew, you know, I knew what it was that we had done. I mean, I, my own feeling is I think if we had been able to preserve the Dolby stereo track, it would have done better mm. theatrically than it did only because that was the time. Uh, the people, I mean, I went to see it uh, in a regular theater with a regular audience. I went into New York when I was in New York and I went in and sat in uh, Times Square theater and watched it. And it was very clear that the audience before the movie started was all kind of psyched up for expecting Star Wars style visual effects technology applied to Godzilla. And when they realized that 
oh, it's mono, and oh, it's still the guy in a rubber suit, and it's still a miniature city, and it's still matchbox cars, and it's still, and you can just feel the air kind of coming out of the balloon mm-hmm. of the audience. So, and I think if we at least had a full stereo track playing the music up big with the big with big sound effects and the subwoofer and all that you know that it probably would have you know it wouldn't been huge but at least it would have been a little more respectable theatrically right Right. but at the same time you know again the home video is nothing to sneeze at you know that's a hundred thousand units at 80 bucks a pop that's you know eight hundred thousand dollars it's like yeah it's it's nothing a million right yeah so you know, when you consider that we spent 150 to shoot the American scenes, plus whatever, I have no idea what they paid Toho to get, you know, to get the, the North the American return of Godzilla. Yeah. You know, uh, but you know, okay, let's let's say it's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you know, so you know, just you you've covered your costs just on the home for video. sure, for sure, more 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 than covered your cost. Exactly. Well, what would you? What did you think after you'd finished it? Did, were you looking to do another to direct something else, or were you? And, you oh know. yeah, there was there was hope. You know, there was always kind of a plan for that, but you know, there was no. I had already accepted a job, editing job in New York, on a low budget movie. So I, literally, as I finished Godzilla, I was on an airplane to go to New wow. York to do to, uh, to cut this independent movie that went nowhere. Yeah, that's the one that never came out, right? Yes. And then I was I was uh, I I was up for like you know shooting uh, the wraparound bumpers for the Ray Bradbury theater, which was a, a anthology show on one of the mm-hmm. cable stations. Mm-hmm. You know, they had an open call for directors to, to, to shoot. So I went in, went in for that, didn't get that. Um, and, you know, and then ultimately, you know, then in 1987, then Tony calls up and says, Hey, I got a weird job or hey, end of 86. I got a weird job for you. Something called hell comes to Frogtown. You know? <laughs> Prepare to meet the next great American hero. That's where you come in. Are you serious? His name is Hell. Sam Hell. Never heard of you. <laughs> yeah. So nothing, but that was as close as you got was Ray Bradbury, basically, in the yeah, interim? that was it. Between, yeah. uh, okay. I had a bunch of other, you know, small irons in the fire that that all, you know, disappeared very quickly. Hmm. And New World didn't talk to you about anything, because really, no. the person you kind of dealt with through New World was Tony. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. They didn't know me from Adam. And it's interesting. I, I I'd read that you said you weren't sure why it's never been on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, I know why. Oh, you do know why. Oh, okay. Because yeah. uh, to- Toho won't let it. Oh, really? 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 No kidding. Toho won't let. Toho does not like that film. Really? Wow. Okay. Yes. They took the money and they, but they hated, they hated what we did with it. Even though it was successful. Yes. Like it, yes. Wow. But it was successful for New World, not for Toho. Got oh, it. Okay. Got it. Toho, you know, it's a flat deal. Toho made a flat deal. Yeah. And the but, whole, the whole Dr. Pepper thing and the whole slightly jokey tone of things, yeah. and, you know, they take their Godzilla very, very seriously. And uh, they, they felt we were, we showed disrespect. So, so they end up owning the rights, though, to Godzilla in 1985. It didn't like continue on like with New World. It was basically, it was a, it was a, a limited time. Okay, okay. So the mm-hmm. rights have reverted back to them. Then, yes. Yeah. And and my understanding from um, God's son, there's a guy I've been in touch with who who, who works. Uh, he he writes articles for G Fan magazine. Okay. And anyway, he was in Japan, and he he he's the one who told me he says, "Yeah, Toho's never going to let that see see the light of a DVD or a Blu-ray." Oh wow, wow, that's a bummer. That so, is a drag. I mean, I do own the VHS. You got the VHS, <laughs> and you got the laserdisc. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's, that's right. it. Wow. Okay, one last question. What are what are your thoughts about the movie all these years later? You know, it it was a it was a marketing ploy, and that's all it is. You know, and uh, what we did was successful in terms of what the marketing goal 
of New World was. You know, and, and as far as a movie, there is no reason to go to Raymond Burr's character. There is no reason to have those scenes with him. There is no reason whatsoever for any of the stuff that we put in. You know, the original Japanese movie is too long for what it is. But what we did doesn't doesn't help. So, uh, even though the movie is shorter, but what we did doesn't exactly help. Right. So, you know, if I understood at the time, it was a marketing thing. It was a, mm -hmm. it was a, yeah, we, we can, we can do something with this. And right. that would, that would fit the American market. Yeah. And in that sense, that's what we did. It was successful on the home video end, not necessarily the theatrical end. And, 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 you know, it's a, it's an interesting story and it's mm -hmm. an interesting, you know, an interesting sub sub, you know, footnote in the mm -hmm. Godzilla you know, uh, saga, but you know, you know, don't you want it out on DVD? No, I don't want it out on DVD. I really don't <laughs> want it out. You know, I'm kind of glad it's not out there. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay. <laughs> Did, have you watched any Godzilla movies since? Yeah, I've watched a couple. Um, you know, I saw, I saw the, the, you know, the, the, the first of the Sony ones that was made. Okay. What, what was it in the 1990s? Yeah, ninety-eight, um, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that, you know, and of course, as my my son at the time, who was what eight years old, nine years old, he said, "Well, what'd you think?" And he said, he just frowned and said, "But it's not Godzilla." Hmm. That was hmm. his, that was his take because the monster did not look like right the Japanese right. version of Godzilla. Mm -hmm. right. It was redesigned, and I'm mm -hmm. okay. But you know that that was that was his take, and this is an eight-year-old. You know, says, yeah, it's not Godzilla. Like, okay, wow. well, can't argue with you. You're, you're right about that. <laughs> well, um, do you guys have anything else? I don't. I don't. That, thank you so advice. much. Thank this you was so much. Another terrific conversation. Thank you so much. This was you're amazing. Welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, uh, New world is a weird world. Yes. Uh, it's a, a lot of strange stuff went on and uh particularly around that time 1980 to 83 god the 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 soap opera that went, that went around that lot the uh the power feuds and the structures and the arguments and the and the elbow shoving uh that would go on between everybody it was just astonishing to watch i i kind of you know, at the time, I Claudius was was being shown on PBS, uh, which was that miniseries about the Roman emperors, and uh, I mean, I just would watch that and say, "Yeah, that's where I work. That's where I work. It's that. It's that. I gotta, I gotta pay attention to." Claudius is surviving all of this. Okay, I gotta pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. Right. To what do you he's doing. How do you think you did survive? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. I think it, I think it was just uh, just just keep just keep moving forward. Just keep mm. moving forward. It was of, uh, I mean, I you know the the biggest one of the biggest things on Battle Beyond the Stars was when I exposed the the fraud is a big word, but it was it was fraud that was being pulled. On the visual effects, visual effects, the the the, the numbering, and, the numbering, you know, the yeah. fact that they say, "Oh, we have three hundred and sixty visual effects," and you know, no, we got thirty, right? Yeah, we got thirty guys, and um, you know, and when and you know, the the head of the visual effects department stormed up into the stormed up into the shack, and you know, and started just screaming at me, you know, you know, nose to nose, screaming at me, and I just had my arms folded and I sat in the chair and just let him scream at me and stared him down. And he finally talked himself down and said, Oh yeah, it's no worse. You know, he finally just turned and said, Oh, no point giving us ourselves a heart attack about this and walked away. And then, you know, and, and that was the end of it. Uh, but it was like an hour of him screaming. Yeah. You said it was like a long, he yelled at you for a long time. And yeah. No, everybody, everybody was like, you know, nothing. Everyone was stock still. Like, Oh my God. It's, <laughs> This going to come to blows. What's going to happen? Um, and of course, you know, the, and you know, the lead up to that, of course, you know, was Roger throwing me under the bus. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, right. Which was just priceless. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You can trust me, Bob. You can tell me what it is. I don't worry. And we, we are, your secret is safe with me here. Okay. <laughs> Chuck, I got Bob here. And he's like, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> And so were you surprised when Corman sold the company or do you yes. think that that had to do with you were saying he he felt the company was in trouble? Yes, it was clear he felt the company was in trouble. I mean, I could see, you know, I could see him bothered by this. I can, you know, you could see the rumblings around the office in Brentwood. You know, you could hear it. You could you could you could feel it. Um but you know, always you know, it's the same. It was the same shock when you know when I worked at 20th Century Fox, and suddenly Rupert Murdoch says, "Okay, I've just sold it to Disney." And you're like, "Wait a minute, we're owned by Disney now? What?" Yeah. Um, it, it you know even though you know the company you can say look you can look at it later and say oh well yeah that's a you know that makes sense but you know at the time it's always right. it's always a shock. So you were shocked that he sold it off. No, I saw I saw him, yeah. You didn't I, I see like sure, well, I thought for sure he would either keep it going or just stop it. Mm. Mm. You know, I expected more that he would probably just stop it rather than sell it to somebody else to continue it, you know, and that he would continue on. I mean, that that's what was surprising to me. It's okay, he sells the company, but yet he's gonna keep going. He's gonna still make movies, he's going to still mm-hmm. distribute movies. It's like well then, what? Why are you doing this? Other than I guess it's a, you know, it's a bankruptcy type type thing. You know, it's like, uh, okay, I I can stop, I can stop hemorrhaging money to the creditors by doing mm-hmm. this, and I can mm-hmm. then move over move over here and start over again. Right, right, um, right. Move across the street, literally. I think street, we'll just keep going, and <laughs> which I think you know, he literally just moved across the street. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was you know so it was surprising, but and that's it. That is our interview with R.J. Kaiser. Incredibly grateful. Thank him so much for talking to us, not once but twice. We are so grateful to him. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you want to hear all of our other interviews and our other episodes, you can go to our website, newworldpicturespodcast.com, and that's where you can find all of our content, including our T-shirts. Buy a T-shirt. We don't have a Patreon, but we do have T-shirts for sale. Not just our logo, but they're inspired by our episodes. We've mm-hmm. got original artwork that you can buy. And mm-hmm. uh, so please, if you can, go RJ ahead. RJ bought five of them. He don't bought you, just I mean, out of the goodness of his heart. The goodness of his heart. I thought that was so great. <laughs> but again, thank you to RJ. This was such a pleasure. We really appreciate his time. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs>